It's a buzzword that's been used a lot, but you know what? It's time for agriculture to repossess it. Yeah, repossess it. I think it's time that we reclaim the word sustainable and talk about what it really is. And more importantly, how you can apply sustainable farming methods on your farming operation and make it profitable for you. Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve podcast, where you get a guaranteed return on investment of your time as we cut your learning curve with the information you can apply to your farming operation immediately. Extreme Ag, we've already made the mistakes, so you don't have to. Managing your farm's water resources is a critical component to a successful and sustainable farming operation. Advanced Drainage Systems helps farmers just like you increase their yields up to 30% with their technologically advanced water management products. Visit ADSPipe.com to see how they can keep your business flowing. Now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, thanks for joining us for another fantastic episode of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. We have a hot topic for you. We're talking about sustainability, and I know you're rolling your eyes right now saying, oh, God. All right. It's an overused buzzword. It's been out here in a marketing capacity for at least a decade. And we hear about sustainable ag, as I always say, ask a hundred different consumers for a definition of sustainable agriculture, and you're going to get 100 different answers. It's going to be way different if you go to Whole Foods than if you go to, say, Walmart. I got Matt Miles and Kelly Garrett, two of the founders of Extreme Ag. Matt's out of McGee, Arkansas, and Kelly's out of Northwest Iowa. Matt brought us an expert. He brought us a guy named Christian Barkhand. He's the VP of Sustainability for Rabo AgriFinance. Rabo Bank is the uh, world's largest agricultural lender. Rabo, uh, you know, has a global perspective, and Christian has that global perspective and brings it to us. So let's go ahead and kick right off here. Rabo AgriFinance this is a big picture stuff. You're here just because you're going to co tow the company line. And you're going to tell me, hey, you know what? We're all about sustainability. We care about sustainability. In fact, we use recycled cups in all of our break rooms across the world. Is that what you're going to tell me, Christian? Not at all. Sustainability is, very simply put it, doing more with less. And we need to drill that into the mindset of people that are involved in this space, including our farmers and ranchers, because it is not a topic that we need to be scared about. This is a topic that we should embrace, that we should uh, thrive on, because it's about a, an opportunity to actually feed the world more sustainably. We're going to have 10 billion people by 2050. If you don't believe it, look at the trends of population growth over the past 30, 40 years. We're adding 1 billion people every decade to this planet. Um, we're not going to have enough food. We're not going to have enough water uh, to feed everybody. It's 100 million people a year that we're going to have to feed with food that uh, it's supposed to be safe and plentiful and affordable. We have a great opportunity. To, we have a great opportunity to um, tackle that in the U.S. Be the breadbasket of. Uh, being the or uh, supplying most of that food, um, doing more with less, produce producing 60, 70 percent more food over the next 30 years with the same input. And at the end of the day, that's what sustainability is all about. Now, it's not just environmental um, optimization or stewardship. 
it involves economic sense and it involves uh, social uh, benefits for the end consumers at the end of the day and for all farmers as well and the workers that are employed in this process. So that combination uh, with a continuous improvement mindset with doing more with less at the end goal is what sustainability is all about. Uh, I, I agree on all that. And Kelly and I have talked about repossessing. And I, I mean, it's like a word we always think of when the bank comes to take your car that you haven't paid for. But I'm talking about us being the bank and we're repossessing the car that <laughs> that uh, we let the consumer use for a long time because they took this word and we bastardized it. Um, is what you do sustainable, Kelly, in Iowa? Yes, I believe it is. We're trying to do more with less all the time. We're trying to have soil health as a, a very high priority because of the long-term gain that it has. Uh, I believe the average farmer thinks that to farm sustainably comes with a yield penalty or yield deficit. I believe the more and more we're learning about the soil, the more and more we're learning about plants, farming sustainably comes with a yield benefit and the yield penalty is actually the farmer themselves. I know that's what the problem is here. And when we educate ourselves and do better, uh, sustainability is profitable. Matt, you and I talked about this. Okay, you go to Kelly's, uh, he has to have cover crops. Um, as I point out, when I first went to Kelly Garrett's farming operation, I said, oh my God, I looked around, I said, if we had hills like this at, in my part of the world in Indiana, we'd put a chairlift on it and call it a ski slope. He's farming these things. He has to have these cover crops out there to keep these hills from blowing away and washing away. You don't have that. Your ground's flat. You don't use cover crops. You're not even no-till where you are in the delta of Arkansas. How can you tell me that what you do is sustainable? Well, first of all, uh, we, pro I mean, there's a, it's a double-edged sword. So I see the benefits to cover crops even here. You know, our soil washes into the ditch and we have to clean the ditches out, put it back. The problem with me and no-till or the problem with me and cover crops is furrow irrigation. So we have to have that furrow to irrigate our crop from the top of the field to the bottom. Cover crops and, and no-till, you know, you think about, we're not flat. So we have to have our ridge tills, what, I, what, what we call it now is ridge till. And so you've got to have a pathway for that water to get to the, to the other end every 38, in, every 38 inches. So we're, we're still, our rice, we've got 1,100 acre farm that's been no-till other than when we run it for, for, you know, since the farm was leveled and put into rice production. But the majority of our acres, we struggle with the no-till and cover crop. So, but am I sustainable? I feel like I am. I'm using less nitrogen, less phosphorus, um, organic fertilizer. You know, there's things that we're doing, products we're using out there that enables us to reduce our nitrogen usage. So if we're talking about doing more with less, I fit in that category really well. I just don't fit in the cookie cutter program of it's it's all about no-till and cover crop. I wish I wish I could. I wish I could pull a planter instead of have to have one on three-point inch. Yeah, you know, so I so wish there were things that I could do. I think that's the interesting thing because Kelly and I did this with uh, True Terra, who we work with with Extreme Ag, about this thing. We got to get past this thing that that sustainable means organic. You know, I just went through this when I explained to uh, people I go sporting clay shooting with. They were asking me about organic, and I said, 
I said, that's all. He said, oh, my God, my wife insists on everything organic. And he says, does it really better for the earth? I said, actually, it's probably converse. He said, what? I said, they use more diesel fuel because they do more tillage. Then by the more tillage creates more erosion and more compaction. Uh, then also they use uh, herbicides. And he says, no, it's organic. I said, there's an entire list of products that are certified organic approved according to the United States Department of Agriculture. I said some of the stuff is very old chemistry. Some is not chemistry at all. It's heavy metals like copper, which then we have copper saturation. He said, in organic? And I said, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so there's this thing where the person that says sustainable thinks organic. And I'm like, nah, it's actually kind of the inverse of that. So go ahead, Christian, you're nodding your head. I'm nodding my head because you're spot on. And I wanted to mention something before I get into why I think you're spot on. Um, we got to think of sustainability as continuous improvement. I love what Kelly and Matt said in terms of we have to celebrate what the U.S. agriculture has done in the last 40 or 50 years. I mean, these guys have implemented uh, technologies and innovation that have helped us produce 600, uh, 360% more corn per acre in the last 50 years, right? 40% more milk per same, same amount of feed. I mean, these are unbeatable facts. And we could draw the line and say, well, based on that, we're done, we're sustainable. We can be sustainable just yet. Yeah. And by the way, we got to start thinking of sustainability as a comparative term, not the end goal. So a, a better use of that word would be more sustainable. And the reason for that is we can't stop this journey because we got to feed 10 billion people. We still need to double the amount of food almost with the same input. How is that gonna happen if we're drawing the line, we're saying we're done. We, we gotta continue to find those innovation opportunities and do things better and optimize, continue to optimize input and water and um, the cover crops and the, um, and the uh, no-till options basically help you enhance soil health. The benefit of enhancing soil health and nutritional value is the fact that you're going to have more yield. And by the way, you're not going to need that much fertilizer. So it's a perfect combination of doing more with less, right? You're not going to use that much farm input and your yield is going up. Is All it right. perfect everywhere? No, not necessarily. But coming back to organic, Damien, um, if you are to do a life cycle analysis study, which is a fancier scientific, scientific way to compare environmental impacts related to uh, how sustainable certain alternatives are, and you do it comparatively, you'll find out that in most of the cases, the organic production is not necessarily a more sustainable alternative. Now, there are, just like with natural, just like with cage-free, just like with other marketing claims, perceived health benefits at the consumer level around this marketing claim and, and I think because of that, we're always going to have that market niche out there. We're always going to have consumers that are going to continue to buy organic. But from a sustainability perspective, organic is not necessarily more sustainable than conventional. Now, with that said, the same principles apply for organic. They could be made more sustainable over time compared to where they were before. Continue that journey of continuous improvement. Hey, uh, uh, real quickly. We're going to come back to you for the biggest question of all. 
right, Kelly, you're the first guy that uh, that everybody wants to go to on this within extreme ag. And it's because of some of the initiatives, again, cover cropping and no-till farming. But then we look at Matt, where not just repossessing the word, there's going to be programs coming. There's going to be stuff like right now, you're getting some carbon money. Um, then there's Matt over here. He's going to be getting some money to do this thing, but he's not doing the same stuff as you. So where does this all go? Business, money. Well, Christian stole my line at the beginning when he said, do more with less. He, he's right. Uh, <laughs> Matt, Matt said that we should have a conversation, and I can see that Matt was correct as usual. Uh, sustainable farming is doing more with less. It's becoming more efficient. It's the use of the stress mitigation products that Matt and I have. It's the use of the PGRs that Matt and I have. It's the use of the foliar fertility that Matt and I have that turns down the dry fertility. At the end of the day, everybody wants to measure it by carbon. It's lowering the carbon footprint. It's the things that we learned in Sunday school as a kid, being a good steward of the land. You know, uh, the things that Matt is doing are sustainable because the processes he's trying to go through He's trying to raise his yield and be as profitable as possible. There isn't any, you know, to say that farmers aren't trying to be sustainable, I, I think is very untrue. It's just a lack of understanding. Yeah. Matt or Chad or, or myself, we're all trying to improve our ROI. Yeah. So we're trying to be sustainable by nature just from that. Uh, if, you're, if you're not being sustainable, you're being wasteful. I don't know any farmer that's trying to be wasteful because they'll go out of business. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. My One of my buddies is an ag entrepreneur says, I don't know any farmer that is, understands business that wants to be using more crop inputs than necessary. <laughs> you know, it's about return. Uh, Matt's nodding his head, but before we get to him, I got to go to the big question. Matt brought you on, Christian, VP of Sustainability for Rabo Agrofinance. Why the hell do you, or why the hell does a bank out of the Netherlands care you're a bank make loans sell stuff what difference does it make i mean and, and of course i'm being a little bit facetious but what difference does it make why do you care uh well that's uh you just nail nail it in the head the, the reason why i work for Robo bank and i i'm proud to to do so uh because we're different because we have a mission to grow a better world together because we don't want to be just a financial lender we actually want to be a partner of our farmers and take them by the hand and, and make business out of agriculture for the years to come and the generations to come and at the same time serve the needs of an increased population and feed the world together. So the way you're going to do that um, just with financial lending is really short-sighted. So if you are to truly own that mission of growing a better world together with our clients, then we have to partner up and we have to have meaningful conversations around sustainability and we have to have solutions in place. And Matt knows this because we had a meeting a few weeks ago at our Ag Advisory Board where we talked about the fact that in addition to financial lending, we should be thinking of where our clients are today, what are their needs in terms of moving that needle on continuous improvement, in whatever aspects of sustainability, whether it's water, air emissions, you know, opportunities to do better land management, social aspects, taking care of the employees, community engagement, whatever, and create solutions, packages that we can provide to our clients in addition to our uh, financial lending that will take them from here and move them to the next 
step Christian, I got hey, 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 I guess I gotta tell you something. We obviously think differently. These dentists that are always going around trying to tell their patients how not to get cavities. If I was a dentist, every kid that comes in, I'm giving them a Snickers bar and a two liter of sugary pop. I want to see them back in six months so they can pay me to put in. I think you're looking at this short-sighted. You should tell people like Matt Miles, you need to put more crop inputs on, borrow more money, just go out there and blow stuff everywhere. Not, Is that no, better no, for banking? Matt, come no, on. Yeah, listen, well, I mean, think about it. Think of the whole business model out there. Our core bread and butter, um, you know, product is financial lending for Matt to operate his farm, right? If his farm is successful or more successful, he's going to need more of that lending. And we're going to continue to stay in business with somebody that's really successful. And the risk of them not being able to pay back or getting out of business is minimized. If we are to adjacent to that, provide solutions that are gonna take him to the next level, guess what? Those solutions, the innovation technologies are gonna need financing too. So that develops financial opportunities for us for us in project finance and, and other types of lending that we can supply in addition to helping them identifying those technologies and moving the needle on that. At the end of the day, they're gonna be successful. They're gonna to wanna to grow the business. They're gonna to wanna to continue to move the needle into doing more with less, have more output and less input and we can be the main partner financing that journey and providing the solutions for that isn't that awesome by the way christian it is awesome and we're going to get to matt now because he's sitting there quietly saying god don't make my banker mad i was only kidding about that i know you don't want to just keep loaning money to him so he can go out there and blow it on crop inputs that he doesn't need but i wasn't really kidding about if i was a dentist trust me I'm a capitalist. If I was a dentist, I would do everything I could to keep those suckers coming back with more cavities. Um, you know, I would even encourage all of my patients if I was a dentist, you know what I'd do? I'd say you should take up hockey. Hockey's a great sport for you. That way I could be putting in, you know, bridges and all kinds of false teeth. I'm telling you what, dentists need to think about job creation. All right. Man. I, 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 I have a dentist that does exactly the opposite. And I keep going back. I've been going back 15 years to the same guy. He, you know what he did? He basically said, look, you're falling short here. I don't want to see a cavity in your mouth six months when you come back from now. Guess what? You got to do this laser treatment and you got to do this and you're going to have to do that because you have certain pH balance in your mouth. So he comes back with additional innovation that I have to pay for, which keeps him employed. So now I'm fixing my teeth, but being proactive on 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 my, my health. So... There is a way of uh, tackling that if you're smart. All right, so let's be honest here. And yeah, by the way, you've got the most innovative mouth I've, I've ever seen. I never even heard about you know, laser models in your mouth. Matt, Rabo is um, in on the sustainability thing and you even get a little bit of money. So tell me what you think this journey, you go and sit on their ag advisory committee. Where do you see this thing going? And we already you know, made the crack about why does Rabo care? How do you and Rabo make this make sense for your farming operation? You are, yeah, you already, I already get it. You want to use less resources, more bushels with less inputs makes more profit, which means that you and Lane uh, and 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 Sherry have you know ha happy farming operation. How does it work with you and them? Well, it's it's gonna you know, and, and I've I've talked to Christian about this probably till I'm blue in the face, and he's probably tired of hearing it. So we started with the Rabo Bank as a um, beta program, a guinea pig, you would say, 
you know, and, and I was one of the guys and I, I'm sure Christian thought this maybe when I got selected, I'm one of the guys that didn't fit that cookie cutter. So where do I go from here? You know, there's guys in the same program that's getting double over probably double the money that I'm getting now. I'm still getting money for some things I do next year. My money will be better than this year because of, you know, different things, different practices we're doing. Where does this go from here? You know, I hope one, one thing I would like to say, having my banker involved or my bank involved, uh, Rabo is a different, I mean, you can't just call them a lending institution and, and I've never been around another lending institu institution like them in my life. You know, they've got carbon bank, they've got, uh, places where you can go if you want to, if you want to, you know, do not, you know, solar panels, they've got, they've got a division of that. If you wanted to buy and trade options, they got a division for that. Everything that a farmer needs to be successful, Rabo has. So back to your original question, you know, what I'm hoping that happens with a Delta farmer or a raised bed farmer is that we can find a common ground. And I've already said this, I guess, to where, we can fit in and we can do more with less, which we know we're doing more with less and actually increasing yield, but it not just be about two specific things. You know, am I doing more cover crop than I did before I got in this program? Absolutely. Am I doing more no-till than, than I was before this? You know, absolutely. So my farming practices, I'm trying to change as much as I possibly can to fit the mold but my goal is with, with the help assistance of Robbo and, and maybe True Terra, whoever, is to, to make it a little more easier for a guy like me to fit in. Kelly fits in pretty easy because that was his normal farming practices to begin with. You know, Temple fits in pretty easy because he's, he's cover crop on everything. We have a little, we struggle with that. So we're trying hard to, to do it. And I think we've done better, but we still got a long way to go. And hopefully there will be a compromise in the future. Yeah, so Kelly, um, first off, uh, you, you've got the most experience. You're our go-to guy. You and I met because of the carbon thing. Where does this go? Where does this go? And then I want to get Christian's perspective of where it goes. I mean, you know, it's neat for us to say, hey, we're going to tell her by what sustainable farming is. I don't know. My neighbors out here in the suburbs of Phoenix, they don't care what we think. I mean, I'm not being mean. They they don't know Matt Miles or Kelly Garrett. Um, uh, they're they're suburban, you know, United States America residents. We can go around and tell everybody what we think sustainability is, doing more with less, et cetera, et cetera. But do they they don't necessarily care? So what? Where's it go? Where's it go for us? And does it end up getting to where the consumer does even have an awareness of what we're talking about? I believe the next thing will be, you know, nitrogen reduction credits. You know, we've been through carbon offsets. We've been through carbon insets. I was just in a program with Trutera, one of 25 growers, to be in a, a nitrogen reduction program, uh, you know, to try to help develop the algorithm. I believe there will be other nutrients come after that. I sure hope there will be because I believe it's correct because I believe do, raising more with less is what it's all about. It shouldn't be restricted to just carbon and nitrogen. So I believe it expands. Uh, uh, you know, there more and more companies are coming on. The appetite for acres is more than what acres exist in the United States. So I, I believe this is very much part of our world. I believe it's coming more and more all the time. And we need to figure out a way to adapt. And agriculture needs to figure out a way to help tell their story or they're going to be told what to do. We well, need that's, to help. that's probably going to happen anyhow, based on the numbers. And we can talk about I, what's happening. I in agree. Europe. But we, we know about what's happening need. in Europe. Uh, yes. Then we'll get. Well, let's use it. Let's look at an example of what happened in Europe. 
And because of that, let's have agriculture raise a, raise their voice and say, this is what's happening here. And this is what sustainability means. And let's, you know, let's, let's not argue about it. Let's talk about it in a positive educational way and help educate the public and educate your neighbors on what it means so we can help write the story and not have to be told what to do uh, 100% of the time, at least. Christian, does it get to where, is Rabo going to be a broker? Is it going to get to where uh, uh, Unilever, there's a European company, I guess I'll stick with European since Rabo's a European-based, uh, Procter & Gamble, Euro, Unilever is the Procter & Gamble of Europe, if you will. Do they then bring a bag of money? Do they bring a billion dollars to Rabo and say, you know what? You have such reach with all these farmers globally. We're going to, here's a billion dollars in a bag. We're going to give it to you and pay Matt Miles in Arkansas a little bit of money, but he's going to reduce his nitrogen and his carbon. And then we want you to be the broker, Rabo, because you've got the connection with Matt. And then you'd say, well, why do you want to give a billion dollars away globally, Unilever? And they say, because we want to prove that we care. Or is it because we want our shareholders to know that we're, uh, we're out here on the environmental front? How does it work and why do they, and why do, they do it? Take me there. Oh, gosh. Um, so much to talk about. So let me say, first of all. First Kevin, off, do you like the idea of Unilever just bringing you a billion dollars in a bag? I kind of think that's a cool idea, don't you? I got to munch on that a little bit because to be honest with you, I haven't seen that happening just yet. Uh, and I got to think about it a little bit. I mean, we do bank the entire value chain and some of these corporate clients are our clients as well. Um, and we do issue carbon credits right now and we do trade carbon credits as a broker right now. Uh, but we haven't seen anybody knocking on the door with a pile of money going like, all right, go for it. Um, I think there is uh, there are certain limitations in market dynamics that um, are uh, playing a role right now. So I'm, I'm just gonna try to lay it all out out there. So number one, um, there are a whole bunch of brokers that are already in the market today that do just that brokerage. Okay, um, there most of those brokers, especially in in the United States, don't follow necessarily or try to follow the existing standards and protocols that certify the carbon credits. Uh, and we do as well. Uh, the problem is that those protocols are so narrow in scope right now that it's almost impossible to feed someone through the requirements, right? So you have two options. Either you issue a very tiny amount of the carbon credits that are certified right now, almost non-existent, or you go and you open up this whole thing and issue carbon credits that are not certified, but then who wants to buy them? So this issue hasn't been solved yet. And that's probably one of the limitations and the reasons why multinationals haven't come in with a whole bunch of money to one player to say, you do it for me because I trust you. Okay. Rabobank Bank has a fantastic reputation, but and and we hope to keep it that way. But um, but we're we're still pioneering a little bit of a path in the jungle in this space at this point in time. The other thing is, I think some of these big accounts, before they hand out the money, they'll think whether they can do something like that themselves or partner up with someone 
that's going to be somewhat, I would say, not necessarily exclusive, but tied closer to their business model. So think about you using your example, Unilever, their main business is to sell their products, right? So why wouldn't you use an opportunity like this to actually use that type of money in conjunction with your sale of the product and also supply certain credits to, for certain uh, production methods that are more sustainable and at the same time, it enhance the capability of, of uh, marketing and, and communication around your brands and your product out there. So before they come with the pile of money to Rabobank, I think they're gonna, number one, wanna figure out where this is going at the end of the day in terms of protocols and mm -hmm. issues, issues related to um, certified credits. And number two, try to see if they have answers on their own. Now, what Kelly said about the future of this is true. My big hope out there is that we're gonna end up at some point with sustainability credits, carbon credits, water credits, land management credits, you know, employee health and safety credits, all of them combined together with sustainability credits that can be traded or applied in various forms hey, because that's a lot more robust. I, I, I agree. So if we all agree that that's coming, and Kelly is the one because he's he's got the most experience, and he's going to call his buddy Matt and say, hey, you know what, Matt, there's this other sustainability credit. Um, you just did some practices, and you cut your irrigation gallons per acre by 20%, which means we're using less water, which is you know, all these kinds of things. And then he says, great, you can get on us. Who's, who initiates the program, and where's the money come from? Great questions. And somebody has to step up to that, uh, to that plate. So I'm... Um, uh... I hope Rabobank is going to be one of the players that's going to be a part of a consortium of other companies that are going to redefine that. I know there are a couple of um, solutions out there that are looking at creating more robust, uh, I would say, at least environmental credits. Um, but it's there's so much that needs to happen before you actually can... Um, can create something like that because you have to set up a credible consortium of organizations that first of all come together and figure out conceptually how this is going to work. Number two, what are the measuring sticks for each one of the credits out there? What are the cert certified the you know uh, certifiable criteria that basically allows someone to issue the credits and have them credible? Then you have to have nonprofit organizations and the rest of the world blessing that and endorsing that. So there, there is a little bit of work that needs to be done. And I would love for Robert to be, if we, if we can, to be a part of that. The other thing that might be somewhere as an intermediary step into that direction is to, going back to carbon credits today, morph them into carbon intensity scores. So dear carbon footprint as a farm. You say morph, you, you would like to see a carbon program that morphs into carbon intensity score. Is that what I'm hearing? Okay. Exactly, yes. All right. So, yeah. and I've done this with uh, Continuum Ag with Mitchell for a long time and we keep on talking about it because I think this is potentially where the future the intermediary first step is gonna go into. And the, the reason why I'm saying that is because it will require a adequate measurement of, of your carbon footprint today, a, it would recognize the previous 20 years worth of practices that Kelly has done with no-till and cover crops. 
So it will automatically take that, well, I'm not, I don't fit in carbon credit right now because I've done this for 20 years away. Because now you're recognized for that because that helps you offset your carbon footprint. And it comes in as a, as a historical offset to that. And the practices that they're implementing today come into the mix as well. So combining all that together, you got your baseline, you got all these practices that offset your ba baseline and make you net zero first as a farmer, offsetting your emissions. And then you take the surplus and you can either trade it as a carbon credit or stick it to the product and sell your product as, let's say, low intensity or carbon negative for we're talking business to business, right? Because I don't think consumers. Yeah. Are... Well, then, then by by doing that, that doesn't. There's no, nothing comes back to us. To whom? Well, how do we get? How does Matt Miles get money in Arkansas from what you just described? What you just described is uh, there's a premium on the low carbon intensity grain. Exactly. Yeah. And there's so... a premium on a low carbon intensity grain, and if you're smart, you can actually take a portion of that and stick it to the product so you can do that premium that Kelly is just saying. And you can take another portion of that surplus and sell it as a credit. So now you get money from two places. Okay, so you get a, so it's, it's right now, again, organic grain, organic soybeans are more than double the price of conventional soybeans, Kelly. So is this where this thing goes? You get certified to be as a low carbon and producer. So you have low carbon intensity grain. There's a problem with that, of course. Ultimately, everything reverts to commodity. <laughs> it does it does you know and and like christian's talking about you know that you know lowering your carbon intensity score you know mitchell has told me he doesn't think there's two farms in the state of iowa that have a better carbon intensity score than his and mine and he, he believes that that is the way that he believes that's the way the world's going and it should it should that's measuring raising more with less that's measuring your carbon footprint that's measuring your practices things like that and and what it's all about is improving, you're improving your carbon intensity. Okay. Scope. So right and now, the point is, Kelly, you got, you've got the, you already, because of the things you've done for 20 years, let's say you've already qualified, but now you've qualified for something you can't even get a premium for. So then it's kind of like, why the hell did I bother? Well, yes, but we're, we're kind of on the forefront or the cutting edge here, trying to tell the story and get it to where we want to go. You know, and I still qualify for I qualified to sell carbon insets. I was qualified for carbon offsets. Now, like I said, we're part of this nitrogen reduction program, but we're trying to steer the narrative through Robobank and Trutera and the Extreme Ag Soil Health Initiative. We're trying to push this narrative in the direction we think it should go. And I'm very thankful that someone as large as Robobank that Christian's aligned with sees things the same way we do it. It makes me feel like we're headed in the right direction. We're supposed to call them Rabo AgriFinance, by the way. Thanks yes, Rabo AgriFinance. If you, if you see a shirt, by the way, you see one of his shirts, just so you know, yes. also, Christian, we're big on swag around here. We'd probably, I'll be on swag too. if this thing grows, maybe you could get us a <laughs> Rabo AgriFinance shirt like that. I'm, hey, I'm happy to do that anytime. Uh, answer me this then, Matt. Where's it going to go? Yes. You're getting a little bit. You're getting. I know you got to drive. By the way, if you're watching this, Matt's uh, in hot pursuit right now in the Delta. He's got three planters going and four pieces of cultivation equipment. Uh, five, five pieces five. of cultivation. Three planters. Five planters. Five, five planters going. You get money right now from Rabo. It's not a lot. 
I mean, I think let's admit that you're not getting a lot. You're not you're not paying for your you know you're not paying for your uh, uh, your mortgage based on the Rabo uh, environmental credits. Where does it go for you? As far as in the future. Yep. Well, I've got. I've, I mean, we are, we've said this, but I've I've got to do it. It's something that I'm going to have to do, whether it you know hopefully it will make enough money for me to at least cover my cost. But eventually, we're all going to have to do it, whether we want to or not, even if we have to pay for it out of our pocket. So, you know, I, I get money for the things I can do that's in the program today. Hopefully, you know, Kelly brought up nitrogen credits. That's something that I can hang on quick. You you brought up uh, less water usage. That's something I can knock out of the park. So, you know, hopefully for me that it gets better, you know, we're and, and it will get better if it gets better for me. It'll even get that much better for Kelly, you know, or a person that's doing what Kelly's doing. So, you know, I'm just praying that my man Christian will come up with something that's a lifesaver for me. All right. So, Christian, is that incumbent upon you now? Is that what Rabbo is that your job? Is your job right now saying, hey, we used to think it was carbon. Now it's carbon and nitrogen. God knows they're, they're using nitrogen as the excuse to take away farms from people in Holland, which I'm completely against a different subject for a different day. Uh, and then there's water usage. And then there's uh, phosphates. In Ohio, we've had an algal bloom in Lake Erie for 20 years that was attributed no offense to farming, it was because overusage of phosphorus in the Lake Erie watershed. We've got these issues. Are you out here on the front? Is that what your job is? Is saying, let's figure out a way to get money for these guys that are doing stuff. It ain't just carbon. It's phosphorus. It's nitrogen. It's water usage. It's diesel. Diesel reduction, for God's sakes. Kelly Kelly doesn't use as much diesel as some farming operations because of his practices. Yeah, um, that is part of my job. Yes. But um I cannot do that on my own and I need to rely on partners um, and I also need to rely on the awesome folks at Rabobank that are going to help me with that. So right now we have a complete separate structure within Rabobank that deals with carbon credits. So we call it Rabo Carbon Bank. Um, we have, have a, uh, an awesome colleague that's spearheading that program as one element of sustainability, the bigger umbrella that I manage in the United States. Um, and through them, uh, using that one as a backbone, we're looking at two things. How can we continue to improve that program so Matt actually gets a benefit, a tangible business benefit out of it? And number two, how do we take it to the next level? And that is combining it to uh, with other credits like we talked about or go to other market segments like the beef industry. Why is everybody focused on just main crops? Why can't we go on, you know, ranching and, and pasturing and cow-calf operations and do the same thing with uh, issuing carbon credits from there? So, so th there is a lot going on. Um, I wanted to say that um, Matt actually has helped us tremendously in understanding the limitations of the program and the opportunities that we have right. to go to the next level. And, and just to add more to that layer, our scope with this carbon uh, bank program in the US has always been improve, improvement of soil health and reduction of farm inputs. The carbon credit is the cherry on the cake, okay? So yeah, you get, you get paid for that, but you should see an uptake, and Matt knows this because one of his neighbors you know, is in the program and has seen that, you should see a little bit of an up uptake on your 
input and and a reduction in the in the farm input cost. So Kelly, that's kind of your point is that the little the payment is the is the cherry. Yes, you know the things that I'm doing to farm sustainably are agronomic reasons, and the payment is the cherry on the top. It's free money to me. <laughs> right. Exactly. Matt. That's Matt, it. you brought you brought Christian here. Uh, send us out the door. You you, you, uh, you already just, said it. You already said it. It's coming. It's coming. We just got to figure out how to navigate it and make money at it. So no matter what we say about sustainability, it's really about what we can do and and make it make money. Yeah, it's what we can do, and and hopefully, you know, one of the biggest problems I would think Christian would agree with this is farmer adoption to this. Uh, you know, opening farmers' eyes that they're not. You know what the the information they're providing is quality information. It's not going to get you in trouble if you're not doing it right. It's going to give you a you know a guide to how to do it right. And you know just we've got to work together and be more educated in what exactly is going on. You know everybody knows what carbon. Everybody's heard carbon credits now, just like they had sustainability ten years ago. Right now, let's prove to them. Let's prove to them. You know what's going to happen. And and I think that's where we go from here. And and we still don't really know, do we, Christian? So I guess will you come back? Will you be a recurring guest to keep us abreast of what's happening? Absolutely, I would love to. I so much appreciate the invitation and Matt making the connection, and I'd be more than happy to be back in the program and have more meaningful conversations. Well, I appreciate you being here, and and I know that sometimes I'm difficult, but that's all right. You, you know, it, it's it's how we get to where we want to go. His name is his name is uh, Christian Barkhan, VP Sustainability, Rabo Agri Finance. We're going to bring him back in another, I'd say, in, in a recurring role to talk about new developments on this with the Extreme Ag Zone uh, Soil Health Initiative coming down the road, with uh, partnerships we already have with some of the companies with where this thing is going with Matt, uh, you know, looking way beyond just the, the things of no-till or cover crops, but also reduction of input usage. And then obviously Kelly is sort of our seasoned veteran on this front of uh, ecosystem marketing. So Kelly Garrett and Matt Miles and then Christian Barkan, thanks for being here. Until next time, uh, my name is Damian Mason and this is Extreme Ice Cutting the Curve. That's a wrap for this episode of Cutting the Curve, but there's plenty more. Check out ExtremeAg.Farm, where you can find past episodes, instructional videos, and articles to help you squeeze more profit out of your farm. Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Advanced Drainage Systems, the leader in agriculture water management solutions.